<laughs> she does call me Diddy. Amen. Uh, when she wants money. So I'm going to have to give her something when I get home, I'm sure. I'm kidding. She's a wonderful daughter. Amen. It's an honor to be here. This is my wife, Debbie. Would you stand up, Debbie? Amen. This is my wife, Debbie. If you're wondering how somebody that looks like me can have a woman that looks like that, if you'll pay your tithes and quit cussing, God will bless you. God will bless you too. Amen. Most men with mean, ugly women don't pay their tithe and they cuss a lot. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm kidding. Amen. We do have a product table out there, and my wife's got a couple of things that we want to do a quick commercial. Uh, that product table takes us. We're missionary evangelists to the United States of America. That's our title. We work, we work through the missions department, actually. We have a missions number to take revival to the United States of America. How many of you believe we need revival in the United States of America? We need revival. We've become the third largest mission field in all of the world. The third largest unreached people group is here in the United States of America. I say if we strengthen America, we strengthen the church all over the world. Can somebody help me? And so, so we got a product table out there. That helps us go to churches that, how many of you know churches that need revival? A lot of times can't afford revival. Amen. And, and, and I like to eat. Can somebody help me? Amen. I went to a church not long ago, Pastor, and, and uh, they gave me a Dr. Pepper. For the offering, and we were leaving, and I looked at my wife. I said, "I can't believe they only gave us a Dr. Pepper." And Debbie looked at me and said, "Well, you do like Dr. Pepper. They could have gave you something you don't like." Amen, amen. But we do have a couple of things I just want to share with you. There's a lot of stuff back there, but today is Father's Day, and I wanted to share with you a couple of items. My my sister-in-law wrote a book, and it's become the Christian, uh, the small publisher book of the year. It says, "For you, my husband." It's for women uh, to take and. And it's a scripture about your husband and a prayer to pray and a devotion to pray over your husband every day. It's 31 devotions, amen, for every day of the month. If you have a husband that's, con that's mean, you need to get this book, amen. If you've got a husband that's nice, you need to get this book. If you ain't got a husband, you need to start praying for the one you want. Can somebody help me? Amen. And, uh, and, and knowing your pastor like I know your pastor, I'm going to give this to the first lady. So here you go. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. Then, then we also have another couple of gifts. Amen. Um, I, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but, but eight years ago, we lost our son. We lost our son. He was killed tragically in an automobile accident. A drunk man jumped out in front of him to commit suicide. My son swerved, missed him, and flipped his truck and... and uh, and he was—he broke his neck, and he died instantly. But, but, and and I started not to get up and say anything about about this particular thing. But it's Father's Day, and I, Pastor already said a lot of us struggle with Father's Day. I still have my dad. A lot of us struggle with it because our dad's gone on. And a lot of us struggle with it because we have a son or a daughter that's that's gone on. And so when I when I first got uh, when we first lost Travis, I found out that the church was real ignorant when it comes to dad. I had people say the dumbest things to me, uh, stuff like God needed another angel in his choir. Really? Uh, what kind of God would kill my son so he could have a bigger choir? Uh, one guy came up and said, God needed another rose in his garden. And before I even thought about it, I said, well, maybe he'll need a sack of fertilizer tomorrow and you'll die. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> that garden's going to need some fertilizing. Amen. And so what I done is I put together a series for the church I pastored called Beyond the Grave. And what I've done is I just taught what happens after death. And that's a very powerful, powerful uh, series. And I, here you go, Debbie. Debbie, you quit me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hard to get good help, I'm telling you. Amen. 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 
Amen. But if you'd like to get, and then one other thing, it's Father's Day. If you hadn't bought your father something, my wife makes T-shirts. This is a good one. It says, I believe, and it's got Acts 16, 31. If you believe in the Lord your God, you and your family shall be saved. Amen. Uh, Debbie told me to give that to pastor if I was going to give first lady something, so maybe he'll wear it and advertise for me. Amen. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about something that I believe that God has ordained for this morning. Is it okay to walk down here uh, for, this, for this morning's service? As we, as we live in this day that we're living in, we live in a great day. We really do. We have all kind of tools to get the gospel all over this world. But one of the things that concerns me is that the church as a whole, and I love the church, and I always see the cup half full, but, uh, but, but the church as a whole, that we have fed the, fed the people in America so much strawberry shortcake that they're not healthy. Are you still with me? Amen. We, we talk about all the good and all the great. And boy, if you'll just send $49.99 in to TBN, your wife will lose weight, you'll get a new truck, you'll pay your house off, and you'll grow hair. Can somebody help me? Amen. And people done that, and it didn't happen. Are you still with me? Amen. People done that, and their dog didn't come home, and their, their son was still on drugs, and their, and their wife still went off with the cable man. Am I making sense? Amen. And so, so I've learned, amen, as a pastor, I've learned as a man, I've learned as a human being that there's going to be stuff I got to go through. Can somebody help me? Now, the Bible says in the last days, they will be a falling away. It says that very plainly. And most churches that we go to, most churches that I see, their greatest days was yesterday. And most churches can say we've seen the falling away. People that used to come to church and don't now. How many of you know somebody that used to go to church and don't now? Just raise your, raise your hand. Just about everybody in the, in the building. Well, he said there's going to be a great falling away. And he also said there will be perilous times. Now, I put one and one together. I believe people are falling away from the church because of the perilous times. They're not finding what they need uh, in, the, in the church, and so when trouble hits them, they're turning to drugs. They're turning to suicide. They're, they're turning to things of the world to try to ease the pain of the perilous times that, that have come. I was, I was riding down the road the other day, and, and I, I don't preach against preachers. I love preachers. Amen. Uh, but, but, and, and Joel Osteen, a lot of people preach against Joel Osteen. I don't. If he preaches to millions and I preach to hundreds, I'm not going to talk about him. Amen. But I was riding down the road and, and I was listening. I need to listen to him when I go through Atlanta. Amen. Uh, because when I go through Atlanta, I'm tempted to cuss. And so I listen to Joel Osteen and he tells me everything's going to be all right. Amen. <laughs> okay. Amen. I probably shouldn't have said that. Amen. And so I'm riding through, through Atlanta, and I just flip it over to Joel Osteen there, and, and I'm listening to him. And, and he said something that messed with me. He said something, and I'm not talking about him. I think he's a great, great man. But he said something that really drove a nail in, in through my heart. He said there was a woman in his church. There was a woman in his church that, that her daughter got in a wreck, and it totaled the car, and her daughter should have been killed. Should have been killed instantly. But this woman was a worshiper. But... This woman was a tither, but this woman attends church, and because of that, God spared her daughter. I had to pull my truck over on the side of the road. I said, God, if that's true, 
I pay tithe on every dollar that's ever come in my hand. God, I've missed two Sundays of church in 28 years. One, I was in the hospital, and one, I was a nuclear powerhouse welder, and, and they needed me to make a welder. It was going to melt down Georgia. Amen, amen. And, and so I said, okay, God, I've missed two Sundays in 28 years. I worship at the drop of the hat, and I keep a hat in my truck all the time. Amen. And I said, God, what happened here? Why didn't that work for me? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me like only the Holy Spirit can speak to me. And he said, I never told you the cross wouldn't get heavy. I never told you you wouldn't have tribulation. Matter of fact, I told you when, not if, when you go through the waters, you shall not be overcome. When you go through the river, they shall not overflow thee. When you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. Because I am with thee. I know thee by thy name. This world is not your home. You're going to a place where there'll be no more junk. But right now, we got some stuff we got to go through. And I'm glad I can tell you... He's been faithful. Amen. I'm glad I can tell you that he's walked with me every inch of the way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. So this morning, I want to talk to you about when things don't go right. Some of you are thinking right now, God, I wish I had my daughter back. Amen. Amen. But, but hear me. Hear me. Listen close. Everybody in here is going to have to go through some junk that you would wish you didn't have to go through. And I hope this morning's message will let you know that it'll hold, it'll let you hold on and know that weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning. Amen. Look with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22, begin reading in verse 1 through 3. If you don't mind, would you stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God? 1 Samuel chapter 22, I want to read verses 1 through verse 3. David therefore departed thence. And he escaped to the cave Adalam. The cave Adalam. Adalam means a sealed off place. Adalam means the place of our testimony. Wow. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adalam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. He was Captain Caveman. Amen. And there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and stay with you till I know what God will do for me. Father, I love you. And I thank you for allowing me to be amongst these great people. And Father, I ask you today to let me preach. God, not for fame nor recognition, but so that someone, God, can grab a hold of a nugget from your word and use it in their life. Father, I pray that every one of us leave here better because we've been in your presence and heard your preached word. God, I'm asking you to anoint our ears, anoint our minds, and God, let us receive. Thus saith the Lord, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, would you turn to your neighbor, look him down in the eye, say, if you weren't here, I'd be the best-looking person in this church today. Amen. Amen. Daniel Goldman. Daniel Goldman, a psychologist, he said this. He said, what distinguishes successful people in the United States of America is not their education, 
It's not the color of their skin, not the color, not the side of the tracks they live on, or their last name. He said the biggest factor that determines successful people in our nation is how they handle failure and how they handle setbacks. We've got to learn how to handle things when they don't go our way. Amen. Now, as I looked at this scripture with David, David was a man that had everything going his way. Boy, he had the best job there was in the nation. He was married to the king's daughter. He was sitting at the king's table every night for supper. They were writing songs about him. While he could go, he could, he could watch over. He was bad to the bone. He was only a young teenager at the time when a, lamb, a lion came and, and took a lamb and, and he killed the lion. Wow, and rescued the lamb. A bear came. How I many you know you got to be pretty bad to be a bear, to kill a bear with your bare hands? Amen. And the Bible said he caught the bear by the beard and smote him. I read that and I said, David, I'm smarter than you are. I might would have caught him by the tail, but not the beard. There's teeth in that end. Amen. Amen. He killed that bear with his own hand. A giant comes up and defies the nation. And David just goes down and gets five smooth stones and, and whips him, just kills him right there. He got five stones. You know why? Because he had four brothers. And he wanted to make sure if they showed up, he was loaded for them too. Amen. Amen. David was bad to the bone. But in one day's time, in one day's time, he lost his wife. He lost his job. He lost his place at the king's table. His, his mentor, Samuel, had died. And here he was running out of the city and living inside of a cave, hiding for his life. Every one of us has spent time in the cave. Can somebody help me? Amen. When things was going, I was on top of the whole world. I had the largest church in our state. Amen. I, we were number 35 in the church of God in the top 100. Man, everything was going wonderful. It seemed like everything I touched just turned into, into gold throughout the, throughout the church. I was preaching camp meetings all over the country. They were asking me to take positions, and I was saying, no, I want to stay right here and pastor. Man, everything was great until October 1st, 2010, when a police officer knocked on my door and told me my son had just gotten killed. Boy, I hit the bottom. I went from top to the bottom in an instant. Now, if you've never been there, don't judge me. Can somebody help me? Amen. If you have been there, you know what I'm talking about. When you thought everything was perfect and you had plans for your future and all of a sudden everything's at a standstill and you don't know what to do and you don't know why this is happening to you. Anybody ever been there? Amen. Well, David ended up inside of a cave. I'm writing a book called The Lord of the Cave. And Debbie and I was up in West Virginia the other day preaching and we rode by a cave. And it said, stop and, and tour the cave. And, and so we stopped and gave our $10 a piece. And this lady took us a mile down in that cave. And when she went down there, she flipped off the light. And, and, and man, it was so dark, you couldn't see that. And this is what she said. She said, the darkness inside of a cave is nine times darker than the darkness on the outside. She went on and said this. said, if you stayed in this cave three days without a light, when you come out, you'd be temporarily blind. She said, but if you stayed in here 90 days, if you stayed in this cave 90 days, when you came out, you would lose the color of your eyes. You would lose the color of your hair, and you would lose the color of your skin. 
skin, and you would be permanently blind if you stayed in there for 90 days. Boy, when she said that, God spoke to me as real as I ever heard him. He said, if you stay in that cave too long, guess what? You're identified by your hair and your eye color. He said, if you stay in that cave too long, you'll lose your identity. Amen. I've seen people go in a cave, a Christian, and come out an alcoholic. I've seen people go in the cave loving Jesus and come out hating the world. You'll lose your identity. You'll lose your vision. You'll be permanently blind. I said, God, it's, it's imperative that we got to spend time in the cave. But God, help me. Help me show people you ain't got to stay in that cave. Can somebody? You ain't got to stay in that cave. So I began to search the scripture about people that have spent time in caves. Now, you might think, man, this is an evangelist, and he's talking like he's talking. No, I want us to be able to make it through the hard time. I want us to, be, I want us to have the kind of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Our God is able to get us out of this fire. But, oh, king, let it be known. If he don't, we're still going to serve him. Amen. I want to know some Christians that are but if not Christians, amen. Yes, God, I'm going to serve you when I got a new truck. I'm going to serve you when my wife loves me. I'm going to serve you when I got a good job. But if not, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to lift my hand up and give you the glory. That is all. Somebody ought to give him a praise right there. Amen. Now, as I begin to look at David in this cave called Adalim, I found out something about him. He wrote Psalms 142 while he was in that cave. He wrote a lot of Psalms, but look at Psalms 142 verse 6. He actually wrote this scripture while he was inside the cave. I cried unto thee, O Lord, and I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. In other words, David was saying, I may be in this cave, but this ain't where I'm, I ain't putting up a mailbox because this ain't where I'm going to stay. Amen. I'm coming out because you're my portion and you are my, oh my God, my portion in the land of the living. So I began to study in the Word of God. God, show me people that spent time in caves so I can learn, amen, what the cave is all about so that I can learn just how to make it through the cave. And that's when God began to build this message inside of me. So I began to look through the Scriptures and look for people that actually spent time in caves. Now, the first one I thought of was Job. Everybody thinks about Job when they have problems, but Job didn't spend time in a cave. But Job did say, I'm like unto those that make their dwelling among in caves. Amen. So I'm not going to talk about Job, but let's look at some men that spent time in a, in a, in a cave. Brother, will you mind helping me right here? Preach just a minute. Come up here just a second. Amen. If you don't mind, stand, stand right here if you don't mind. And just face me. Face this way if you don't mind. Y'all give this brother a hand. Amen. 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 He's going to help me. Pastor, I'm sure he's going to give you a hat or something for helping me. Amen. Amen. The first one I found in the scripture, look with me in the book of Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. I guess it's okay to take your coat off, right? And if I take my shirt off, don't throw dollar bills up here. Can somebody <laughs> help me? Amen. <laughs> wow. Amen. Amen. This is Exodus chapter 33. God's talking to a man named Moses. He's talking to Moses. Now, now watch this. The Lord said unto Moses, wow, I'm going to do this thing also that you've spoken. Now, let me stop right there. Would it, be, would it tickle anybody if God was to come down and say to you, I'm going to do what you've been asking me to do? 
I don't think you heard that. Amen. Y'all, if God came down and said, I'm going to do what you've been asking me to do. Woo-wee. Woo-wee. Man, that would be some good stuff. There'd be three or four people that wouldn't like it. Amen. Probably shouldn't have said that. Amen, amen, amen. I'm kidding. He said, I'm going to do this thing you've asked me to do. And look what he says this. He said, for you have found grace in my sight. I know you by your name. I know you by your name. God is saying to Moses, I'm going to do what you've been asking me to do, and I know you by your name. Oh, Moses, he got all excited. Look at this. He said, before he even thought about it, God, just show me your glory. Is anybody here, and I know I already know the answer to this. I, I like to watch churches, and I, I just watch y'all when you come in just buzzing. Everything's just, just good. Amen, amen. But anybody here want to see the glory of God? I'm talking about the Shekinah glory of God. Does anybody want to see his glory? Amen. Now, 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 if you read like a mighty army about the church of God, you'll see that his glory used to fall in our churches. Matter of fact, they used to call the fire department down to some of our churches because they thought they were on fire. We got a story in our history that they called the fire department because they thought the church was on fire. The firemen ran in and busted through the back door, fell under the power of God, and got saved. It was just his glory. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you. I want to see his glory. I want to see his glory glory. I'm tired of people coming in with cancer and leaving with cancer. Coming in bound and leaving bound. I say, God, I want to see your glory. Let your glory fill this house. Wow. So, so this is the conversation. Look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. God's beginning to tell him, how are you going to see my glory? He said, and he said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before thee. And I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. Look at this next verse. This next verse kind of messed with me a, a, a little bit. And he said, you cannot see my face, for nobody can see my face and live. Uh-oh. That messed me up. Because I used to pray, God, I want to see your face. My favorite song is, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. I quit singing that song. Amen. He said, if you see my face, you're going to die. Lord, just send me a picture. Can somebody help me? Amen. And I asked God, God, why? Why is it if I see your face, I can't live? And oh, this is what the Lord just impressed on me. He said, because if you can see my face, you're in front of me. And nothing lives in front of me. Did you get that? I've seen people. Blame God. God, why didn't you? Why did they take my house? You didn't let me pay for it. God said, you got in front of me. I never told you to buy it. Why didn't my marriage work out? Yeah, you got in front of me. Why am I driving a Dodge instead of a Ford? You got ahead of me. Oh, you drive a Dodge. See, you ahead of God. Amen. <laughs> I picked the right one. Amen. Nothing lives in front of God. But look what he said. The Lord said, Behold, there is a place beside me. Holy cow. There is a place beside me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. Now look at this. You want to see his glory? Watch this. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, I'm going to have to put you in a cave. 
I'm going to have to put you in the cleft of a rock. That's a cave, y'all. I'm going to have to put you in a cave. And while, and, and while you're in that cave, all my, all my glory is going to pass by. But you need to understand, I'm going to keep you covered with my hand. God said when you're in the cave, I got you covered. Amen. When you're in the cave, I got something I want to show you. But I got you covered. You need to know I got you covered. Amen. And he said, when I take away my hand, you're going to see my back parts, but my face you won't see. In other words, God said, if you're hungry for my glory, I'm going to have to put you in a cave. I'm going to cover you. And when I open the door of the cave, you're going to see what I was doing while you was inside the cave. And that's the glory of Almighty God. God, I want to see your glory. So let me say... If I have to go through a cave to see his glory, then so be it. Can somebody help me? Amen. I could tell you stories. Holy wow. I could tell you stories of what God done while I was in that cave that only God could get glory for. Amen. 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 So Moses said, I want to see your glory. So God put him in a cave. If we're hungry for his glory. You see, this is what I'm finding. People get in a cave and they come out complaining and nobody wants to serve the God they serve. But if you come out and see what he was doing while you were in there, and you start testifying of the fact, people will see, wow, they went through the same thing I went through, and they're still serving God. They're still praising him. They're still dancing at the church house. They're still singing his glory. Amen. So I want to see his glory. You can sit down, brother. Amen. Thank you. No, stay up here. Just stay with me. Say, hold Moses. Come here. Come back, Moses. Come back. Amen. Just stay here. I know. I, I, I'm just going to let you be. be I'm, you don't mind staying up here with me, do you? I mean, we're going to get you converted. You drive a Dodge, you'll trade it in. You'll trade it in. I used to drive a Dodge. That, I used to drive a Dodge. Then I got saved and had to quit cussing. I had to get rid of that thing. Amen. Anyway, let's go on. Amen. I'm kidding. I'm kidding with you. Amen. At least, at least it's not a Chevrolet. Amen. I'm only kidding. Amen. The next person, you're going to be a different person. The next person I want to show you that spent time in the cave is probably my, my greatest hero in the Bible, next to Jesus, naturally, is a man named Elijah. Whoa, Elijah was bad to the bone. Can somebody help me? Amen. The first thing we find about Elijah, the very first thing, the first scripture in the Bible about this man, Elijah, is he just comes out of nowhere. We don't even know who he is. He comes out of nowhere. Brother, you don't mind helping me stand up. He walks up to King Ahab. Are you with me? And this is what he says, King Ahab. Now, don't be mad at me, amen. You're not going to be mad at me no matter what I say. He walks up to King Ahab. And this is what he says to Ahab. I got a problem with you. Understand, this guy ain't nobody. He comes out, I got a problem with you. You've been listening to your wife, Jezebel. And you've been serving gods that you ought not to be serving. And this is what Elijah says. He said, it ain't going to rain till I say it rains. Holy cow. How many of you know that's pretty bad? I can't think of nobody that's got that kind of boldness to go up to President Obama, President Bush, or President Trump and say, buddy, you've messed up again. That last tweet you tweeted. It ain't going to rain till I say it rain. 
I can't think of them. Are you with me? Amen. But that's what Elijah done. You can sit down, King. Amen. And the Bible says that when Elijah, when Elijah done that, when he done that, God sent him to a brook. And he was going to drink water out of that brook and have the crows bringing him meat. Wow. Bringing him meat. And we know he brought him steak. Wow. Somebody said, how do you know it was steak? I said, because the bird wouldn't bring a chicken. That's his cousin. Can somebody help me? Amen. <laughs> he brought him meat every day. And he ate that meat and drank from that brook for about six months. And then the brook dried up. Oh, I know people that would say, God let the brook dried up. Remember, if it ain't raining on the unjust, it ain't raining on the just either. I know people that would have died right there by that brook. By God, we've always got water from this brook. We're going to stay here till we die. Okay, let's go on. That's another message. He's going to have to bring me back. Amen. Amen. He's going to have to bring me back to fix everything I tear up today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Watch this, though. God told him, he says, get up. I got, I got another place I want you to go to. Get up. I've prepared a widow woman. Stand up here. Stand up here. You, you right here don't mind. You don't mind. Stand up here. He said, I've prepared. I've prepared a widow woman. I've prepared a widow woman. She's picking up sticks. Pick up sticks. She's picking up he said, and Elijah walks up to her and says, what are you doing? He says, duh, I'm picking up sticks. No, she didn't. She says, I'm picking up sticks to build a fire because I got a handful of meal and a little bit of oil in a barrel. And me and my boy, I'm going to fix one biscuit. Wow. Me and my boy is going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And Elijah done something that almost made me lose respect for him. He looks at this woman and says, fix me a biscuit first. I said, you stinking TBN preacher. <laughs> I know your pastor, me and him would have started a biscuit house for widows, amen. But no, he said, fix me a biscuit first. And she said, well, I got nothing to lose. So she fixes a biscuit. He eats it. Huh? That's what preachers do. We eat biscuits, amen. She eats it. And then she went back to the barrel, handful of meal. And full oil. Next morning, she fixed the preacher a biscuit. She went down to the barrel, handful of meal, handful of oil. It lasted her for three years. Are you still with me? She never had to buy groceries. Amen. She ate that meal and that oil every single. I wish my wife would get a hold of that kind of anointing. Amen. Amen. But, but watch this, watch this, watch this. you got to see this. One day, Elijah comes home for biscuit. Amen. And he comes in, and the woman is sitting. Just sit down right there if you don't mind. The woman's sitting on the couch in the living room, and she's got the boy laying in her lap, and he's dead. And Elijah walks in, and she's saying, what has happened here? I've been feeding you for three years, and my boy's dead. I mean, if you know, bad things happen to tithers too. Did you hear that? And Elijah took the boy and took him up in the attic. There's some things in the Bible I can't figure out. Why would you take him in the attic? Seemed like to me, you'd have left him on the couch. Took him in the attic. And then one day, it kind of, duh, had a V8 moment. Me and my wife, part of our ministry, we sold our house uptown when we started evangelizing. And I got a little farm, and we built a sabbatical house on that farm. And, and we built a sabbatical house. We moved into it. Why we built another house for us when we get our house finished we about 
little over halfway finished. We're going to open up the sabbatical house for preachers to come stay in whenever they lose a child or lose a wife or are just in trouble. Amen, amen. And so, so we sold our house. Well, one of the things Debbie made me do is go up in the attic of that house and get all that stuff down. So I'm up in the attic of that house, and it's a big attic like this. Like this, like, like, like this. Look at this attic. I got looking at all the rafters, and I went, holy, wow. I've been swallowed by this house. This house has eaten me. I hollered down at Debbie. I said, Debbie, all this stuff in this attic, we ain't used it in five years. Let's let it go with the house. Amen. I've seen the family that's buying the house. Their kids are ugly. They need kids. They need pictures of good-looking kids. Let's just leave them up here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Amen. I'm kidding. I should not have said that. Amen. Amen. Back the tape up. I got a five-second delay on that. Amen. But what? I was in that attic, and I'm saying, this house has swallowed me. And it was like, I'm in the rib cage of this house. Then it dawned on me. So I was reminded, Elijah took her boy to the attic. And he prayed over him three times. Wow. Whatever happened to the boy? Study JewishHistory.com. You go back, 40 years later, her boy grew up. And God spoke to him and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. He said, I ain't going to Nineveh. So he went down to Joppa. And he still said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. So he went on a boat and he went down the bottom of the boat. He still wouldn't go. A storm came. They throwed him over the boat. A big old fish came by and swallowed him. Guess what an inside of a fish looks like? An attic. He's been in there for how many days? Three days. I'm sure this is what Noah, I meant Noah, Jonah thought. I've been here three days. I remember a man come. I was in an attic just like this one time. A man came and prayed for me three times. I've been in here three days. I think I'll just pray to that God. He prayed. Now, I mean, you know, if you're in a fish's belly for three days, there ain't but two ways out. Can somebody help me? It's either going to be puke or poop. Can somebody help me? Puke is nasty, but poop is eternal. Can somebody help me? Amen. And so she prayed. He prayed, and the fish threw him up. He became puke on the island, and he ran into Nineveh, preached, and 52,000 people got saved, all because a woman gave a biscuit to a prophet. Can somebody help me? Amen. But that ain't where it stops. Now Elijah's kind of, he's kind of ticked. And so he looks at this woman, I got to go. You ain't got to fix me no more biscuits. So he goes, and he's going to talk to Ahab again. On his way there, he bumps into the prophet Obadiah. He says, Obadiah, go tell Ahab I'm coming to talk to him. Obadiah says, you're crazier than a sprayed roach. Amen, amen. That ain't King James. That's NIV version. Praise God. Amen, amen. You're crazier than a sprayed roach. And he said, if I go tell him you come and you don't come, he'll kill me. And Elijah says, I'm the only one left. He said, no, I got, what, I got a hundred and something up here. I'm hiding in caves. Amen. He had some preachers just getting ready for the revival. Amen. Amen. But watch this. He goes, tell Ahab. And he says, Ahab, get all the Jezzy's prophets. What was this? I forget. I'm losing my numbers. Is it 450 or 850? A lot of them. There's several hundred of them. Amen. They must have been having a convention. Praise God. Amen. He said, go get them and meet me on Mount Carmel. You know the story. And he looked at him and said, this is what he said. He said, we're going to do a little test here. We're going to put an altar. We're going to put a sacrifice. We're going to put wood, but no fire. Whoever calls down fire, that's whose God will serve. 
so they've done it. And he said, y'all go first. So the prophets of Sister Jezebel got up there and they got to praying. They got to jumping up and down. They got to cutting themselves with glass. They got to praying. Elijah sit back there saying, why don't you cry a little louder? Maybe your God's on vacation. Why don't you cry? That's the, that's the truth, amen. Why don't you cry a little louder? Maybe your God's asleep. They got so mad, they just tore the altar up. Elijah finally says, get out the way. He rebuilt the altar, put the sacrifice on it, dug a ditch around it, put 12 barrels of water. They've been in a three-and-a-half-year drought, but put three, 12 barrels of water around it. Then he backed up, prayed a little two-verse prayer. Fire came down, consumed the sacrifice, the, all, the wood, and licked up the water in the ditch. Amen. And then he looked and said, get all them prophets. He killed every single one of them. You know, that's revival. And then Sister Jezzy. You don't mind standing up, do you, Sister Jezzy? Then Sister Jezzy said something. Elijah didn't hear it. You can sit down there, sweet widow. Elijah didn't hear it, but he heard somebody that heard somebody that heard somebody that heard her say it. In other words, he heard it through the grapevine. <laughs> And this is what she said. She said, I'm going to do the same thing to Elijah that he's done to my prophet. And he done called down fire. He done killed all these prophets. And one mad woman scared the God out of him. Can somebody help me? Amen. You can sit down. And so he ran out. God just killed me. I'm the only one. No, you ain't. But I got a hundred and something up there in the cave. I'm the only one. And look what God done. God shook him. Got him something to eat. Now look at 1 Kings 19, chapter, chapter 8 and 9. Wow. Look at this. He arose and did eat and drink. And he went in the strength of that meat for 40 days. Man, that was some powerful food right there. For 40 days and 40 nights. Look where he went. To Horeb. That's the same mountain that Moses was in when he was put in the cleft of the rock. We're going to have to go through the same things our forefathers went through. Temptations, temptations. Can somebody help me? Amen. But look on. He went to the Mount of God. Now look at this next verse. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Look. He came thither into a cave. Uh-oh. Elijah's in a cave. And look what? And he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, why is that scripture my favorite scripture? Whenever I lost my son, everybody was saying, what's Moxley doing there? There was one church said, I told you Moxley wasn't close to God. How many of you don't like spiritual people? What did Moxley do to deserve that? I ain't talking about spiritual people. I'm, I'm super spiritual people. Are you with me? Does he ever just want to throat punch some of them spiritual people? Amen. Are you still, I had a man, my wife struggles with a little bit of rheumatoid arthritis. And there's a man come up to me one day and I asked the church to pray for her. And a man came to me and I don't even know where the man went. He wasn't, he wasn't, he, he wasn't, he was just there a spy from the devil, I think. He walked up to me and said, if you had faith, your wife wouldn't have that rheumatoid arthritis. I said, you got that kind of faith? He said, yeah, I do. I started rolling up and sleep. He said, what you doing? I said, I'm about to bust you in the nose. If you got faith, it won't bleed. He must not have had that kind of faith because he ran like a scalded monkey and I ain't seen him since. Amen. But let's go on. That's, that's, shouldn't have said that either. Amen. This is my favorite scripture because of this. People were saying, what's Moxley doing there? 
What's he doing there? What did he do to deserve that? Oh, he must have sinned. But God didn't say what you're doing there. Look what God said. God said, what are you doing here? You know what that means? That means God was in that cave. Oh. That means God was in that cave with him. He didn't say, what you doing there? He said, what are you doing here? I'm glad to tell you, though you walk through the water, though you walk through the fire, he shall not leave thee. He's going to be closer to you than a brother. He's going to stick with you. He's God. If you're in the cave, he's in the cave too. Now watch this, watch this. When he got out of the cave, what, what benefit? Moses saw your glory. What did Elijah, if you read the rest of that chapter, he told Elijah, he said, when you get out of this cave, I want you to go anoint the guy that's going to take your place, and I want you to go anoint Jehu to be king. So he leaves and he anoints Jehu to be king who kills Jezebel. Are you with me? And see, we, we, we've been told the church can't have nothing to do with, with politics. Separation of church and state. But Elijah came out and anointed the next king. I would to God the church would get the anointing and we could anoint the next president of these United States. Are you still with me? Now, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, Donald Trump's our president now. And he's surrounded himself with people that are anointed. He better be careful. Samuel Rodriguez lays hands on and pray. He'll be got the Holy Ghost if he ain't careful. Oh, good Lord, have mercy. Amen. But hear me. I would that we, one more time, would get the influence that the church used to have and alter the politics of our, of our nation. Can somebody help me? Amen. So watch this. He anointed him. And then he anointed a guy named Elisha. Elisha. Not Elijah. This is so amazing to me. Elisha's plowing an ox. And Elijah, after he comes out the cave, walks by and throws the mantle around him. He throws down the reins of the ox and runs and says, let me go tell my mama goodbye. And Elijah says, what have I done to you? If telling your mama bye is more important than this anointing, go tell your mama bye. I'll find somebody else. He said, no, whole wait. He goes back, boom, kills the ox, chops up his plow, builds a fire, cooks the ox. Everybody eats the ox. And then he runs and said, I'm going to follow you. Now listen, because here's what I hear in churches all over across our America. I go to about 11 different states now. I hear people say you can't win young people. Young people won't be committed in this day that we're living in. I told a guy the other day, I said, don't tell me that stuff. I said, you read the newspaper. Every time you read the newspaper where there's a suicide bombing, where some of them Muslims have put bombs in their underwear, are you with me? It ran into a crowd. Look at the age, 20, 19, 23. How many of you know you got to be committed to put bombs in your underwear and run into a crowd? Can somebody help me? I said, God, how's the Muslims getting their young people to put bombs in their drawers and run into a crowd, and we can't get our young people to come to a weenie roast? I don't understand that. Amen. Are you with me? <laughs> There's something to do with this cave, because he anointed the next generation when he come out of the cave. Now, don't get mad at me for talking about the Muslims with the bombs. Some of y'all got quiet there. Amen. Amen. You know what they call the underwear that a suicide bomber wears? Through the booms. <laughs> Let's go on. We got 
You know where a suicide You know where a suicide bomber goes when he when he performs his his his, his mission? You know where a suicide bomber goes? Everywhere. Amen. It just goes everywhere. Amen. Let's go on. Let's go on. Amen. But watch this. Watch this careful now. Watch this careful. He came out and just touched him with the mantle from the cave. And Elisha ran to him. He said, what, what can I do for you? You've been doing good. I want a double portion. I want a double portion of what's on you. I want double what you got. You come out that cave in such a way, I got to have what you, oh, it matters how we come out the cave, y'all. If we want the next generation to want what we got, we got to handle ourselves right when we come out of the cave. So the anointing was all over him to not only change the direction of his nation, but to raise up the next generation. That's what he got from the cave. Now you can sit down. Now you, no, stay here with me. <laughs> Just stay with me. Amen. Pastor's going to give you three hats. Amen. Amen. Watch this now. Watch. Because the way I've preached so far, you might think, boy, that cave is a good thing. But I've got to show you something. The enemy can come inside your cave too. Remember, I, I, I'm almost through preaching, but remember David. Whenever he was in the cave, he was there because Saul was trying to kill him. Now, later on, look at this scripture in 1 Samuel 24. Look at this scripture in 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through verse, verse 4. Can you give me that scripture? 1 Samuel 24. Came to pass when Saul was returned from the Philistines. It was told to him, saying, David's in the wilderness of Engadi. You're going to be Saul now, okay? In Engadi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men. Chosen. He's what, remember, David had 400 rejects. They couldn't even make their lawnmower payment. Are you with me? Amen. And Saul took 3,000 chosen men, look, look, out of Israel, and went after David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Now, look at this next scripture. This gets bad. He came, the sheep goes, by the way, there was a cave. Uh oh. Cave. He, Saul. Saul, okay. And Saul went in to cover his feet. Now, Pastor, don't run me off. If you look up what cover your feet is, remember they wore like robes. If you cover up, if you went into a cave to cover up your feet, you went in the cave to use the bathroom. That's what he was doing. And he had to be squatting because he was covering his feet. I don't want to paint no better picture than that. Y'all got it, right? Amen. So Saul, Saul stops by a cave to go use the bathroom. He's the enemy. Now look, look. It just happened to be the cave that David and them 400 men are living in. He's up against the wall of the cave. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And the men of David said to him, Behold, the day of which the Lord has said unto thee, Behold, I deliver thine enemy under thine hand, that you may do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. It gets even worse. Is that the last verse? No. Then David rose up, eased over, and took his knife out and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe. Now, y'all, I, I, I take the word of God very literal. I take it very literal. He's in there using the bathroom. 
He's got 3,000 men waiting outside the cave while he's in the restroom. He's got, he's covering his feet. Now David's over here. He's got to be thinking, my God, I'm in this cave. And there's my enemy and they're making a mess right where I was watching Bonanza. Amen, amen. Wow. Okay, let's go on. David goes up and cuts his, whoa. Now, if I was Saul, I try to put my, if I was Saul, I was in a dark cave, and I was covering my feet, and somebody slipped out the shadows with a knife and cut my britches off. If there was 3,000 chosen men right outside, I'd have ran out there and said, y'all go in there and kill whatever's in there. Kill them. Kill them all. That ain't what happened. Saul ran out of that cave so fast with his honey shining. Those 3,000 men, those 3,000 men saw him flash by. They said, we got to go from him. And them 3,000 men took off too. Amen, amen. But here's the point. Just because you're in a cave with God don't mean the enemy can't come in there and make a mess. I'm not preaching too long, am I? I'm okay. Who'll give me five more minutes? Who'll give me five more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20. That's all I need. That's all I need. That's all I need. Amen. Now watch this. Genesis chapter 19. Look at Genesis chapter 19. We read about another man. Now I'm almost through. I'm talking about the enemy in the cave. Lot. Oh. Lot was in Sodom. Sodom's burning up. He goes to leave and Sister Lot, he couldn't stand it. She looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. That's a very important message. God meant for us to be a movement when we look back, we become a monument. God help the church to never become a monument. Let us stay a movement. But he, so Lot goes up. He went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain with his two daughters with him. For he feared to dwell in there. And he dwelt in a cave, him and his daughters. Now his two daughters, they got to thinking, Daddy ain't got no sons. So they, they got Daddy drunk, and both of them slept with their daddy. And both of them got pregnant. One of them got pregnant with the head of the Ammonites, the enemies of God. The other one got pregnant with the head of the Moabites, the enemy of God. Boy, God spoke to me and said, be careful when you're in the Please hear what I'm about to say. Be careful when you're in the cave that you don't conceive something that'll be your enemy when you get out of the cave. While I was in the cave of losing my boy, I conceived fear. I can see doubt. I can see bitterness. When I come out, I had to say, God, purge me. God, I want to abort everything I conceived while I was in that cave. Am I making sense to anybody? So you got to understand the enemy can come into the, into the cave. I got one, one more that I got I to gotta share with you when I talk about the cave and then I'm through. There was a man named Jesus. We don't know a whole lot about Jesus up till age 30. We know he was born in a manger. We know when he was about two, some kings came and gave him some presents. We know when he was 12, his mom and dad took him to church. I took him to the church. The Bible said he went to the church on the Sabbath as his custom was. People say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. You're a liar. Because <laughs> if you're going to be a Christian, that means Christ-like. If you're going to be like him, you got to go to church. He went every Sabbath. Amen. I shouldn't have said liar. You don't tell it the truth. Amen. Amen. He's a little bit more spiritual. Amen. 
We know when he was 12, they took him to church and left him. Left him. Got down the road. Joseph said, where's Jesus? We left him at church. Got to go back. Well, that's a good message. If you lose Jesus, go back to church. You'll find him. Amen. Amen. Goes back and finds him. At the age of 30, he's baptized. Boy, he's kicking butt and taking names. He's casting out devils. He's causing the deaf to hear. He's causing the blind to see. He's raising the dead. He's walking on water. Man, he's feeding 5,000 with two fish and, and five loaves. I mean, he's doing it. And then, then he comes to Jerusalem. Wow. He comes to Jerusalem. In to do some ministry where he knew what was coming. He's coming to be crucified. I could see the devil. You three don't mind helping me, do y'all? Y'all mind helping me? Come right here. Amen. I'm going to make, I know you're prayer warriors, but I'm going to make devils out of you right here. Amen. Stand there shoulder to shoulder. Stand there shoulder to shoulder. Amen, if you will. Amen. They took Jesus. They took Jesus. Can you just hop up there like you're on a cross? Amen. Just hop up there on that, that ledge right there. Amen. Amen. It must be 12 o'clock. All the alarms are going off. Amen. Amen. The devil calls a meeting of the heads of his, of his squadron, the heads of his platoon leaders, the leaders of his group. He calls a meeting with death, with time, because he was over time at that time. Death and the grave. He says, guys, we got to stop this Jesus. Every time I try to do something, he messes it all up. I thought I had him when he took those 5,000 people out there. I just knew they was all going to starve to death. And look, but he took two little fish. I was one little basket I didn't look into. And he fed all them people. Wow. Wow, I'd have kept that boy. I'd have, if I'd have known that boy had them two fish and five loaves, I'd have called travel ball team practice where he wouldn't have been there. But I didn't catch it. So he went. Are you with me? Amen. So, but we got to stop this Jesus. Time spoke up and says, I'll run him down. Death spoke up and says, I'll knock him down. The grave spoke up and says, I'll hold him down. 33 and a half years went by. Death ran him down. He hung on the cross. He hung on the cross. He gave up the ghost. His chin hit his chest. Father, it is finished. Boom. Death knocked him down. Now here's the grave. Early the next morning, Satan comes by. Grave, old grave, have you still got him? The grave said he came like all the rest. He's dead like all the rest. He's in there like all the rest. Early on the second morning, grave talked to me. Have you got him? The grave says, I'm telling you, don't worry, Satan. <laughs> he came like all the rest. He died like all the rest. He's here like all the rest. Early on the third morning, Satan comes. The grave says, you better sit down. I got something I need to tell you. Those, those people you had guarding it, they fell like dead men. That stone you had rolled up here, it rolled away. I put double chains on him because he said something about three days. But him chains fell off of him. He took the napkin off his face and folded it and laid it back down where he was at. And he walked to the door of the grave. And this is what he said, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. He spun around and he said, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, cave, where is thy victory? And he became Captain Caveman so that everybody that's distressed, everybody. 
everybody that's in debt, everybody that's in trouble, everybody that's hurting, everybody that's got a problem can run to the cave and we've got the Lord of the cave. He is the captain of the cave men. I'm glad I can tell you, you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. And Satan, and Satan, he said he's looking for you because you got some keys that belongs to him, some keys from time, death, and the grave. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to shout, amen. Y'all can be seated, amen. If they'll get ready to sing something, we'll, we'll quit, amen, amen. Y'all too easy to preach to, praise God, amen. Hear me, hear me close. Everybody in this room has either been in a cave, in a cave, or you're going to go in a cave. So I talked to everybody this morning. So how do you end a service like this? The first thing we need to look at is this. David wrote Psalms 57 when he was in the cave. I want you to look at this, Psalms 57. I think I gave him that scripture. I want to read you this scripture before I go any further. Look at Psalms 57, verse 7 through verse 11. Did I give you that scripture? My heart is fixed, David writes. He's in the cave when he writes this. I ain't going to tell you when you're in a cave that you ain't going to lose something. I ain't going to tell you that. But look what David said. My heart's fixed, oh God. He's in this cave while he's writing this. My heart is fixed. I'm going to sing and give you praise. Just give the scripture to him quick. Wake up, my glory. Wake up, David says. I've got to wake my praise up. Wake up, sultry and heart. I myself will wake up early. You know what you need to do if you're in a cave? You need to wake up your praise. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Look on. Look on. Look on what he says. I will sing unto thee among the nations. I, I, I thought I gave you more scripture, but that's probably it. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. David said, I'm in this cave. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. David said, I'm in this cave. I'm in this cave called Adam. What am I going to do? I got to wake up my praise. Now I'm going to say this. Don't be mad at me. One of the things I'm finding as I travel across our nation, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Church of God. I told somebody I'm Church of God born, I'm Church of God bred. When I die, I'll be Church of God dead. But hear me. As I travel, we don't praise Him like we used to. We don't praise Him like we used to. When I first started coming to Church of God, and I ain't been saved all my life like some of you have. I didn't get saved. I was in my late 20s. I got, I got saved one year, called to preach and pastor the next year. So God kind of done a quick work with me. I got saved third Sunday night of April, 1989. Got called to preach January the 7th, 1990, and was pastor of the church November the 3rd, 1990. Wow. So God done kind of a quick work with me. But hear me. Hear me close. When I first come in the church of God, man, you wouldn't fall asleep in the church of God. If you did, somebody step on you and they was running the pews. You didn't let your young and play in the aisle because somebody run over them while they're making about four laps around there. <laughs> you could 
<laughs> you can go down the altar and pick up bobby pins. Go to women and shook them out of hair. Amen. Now I ain't saying we need to. I am what I am saying. We need to wake our praise up. The church has been through a cave. We need to wake our. We need to wake our praise up. So t- this morning, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask us to spend some time. Can I get that praise team back up here? Can I get that praise team back up here? If I can't, can I get that? Yeah, can I? I want y'all to just, I want you to slobber knock it. I want you to just prick. I shouldn't have said slobber knock. Y'all probably don't say that. And in, in, I, I want you to bust them lights out with a praise, okay? I want, I want everybody in here to sing your praise. But hear me, when we get through 30 seconds, 45 seconds of just nothing but praise to the king, I'm going to give this altar call. And there's two things I'm going to ask you to do. Number one, I'm going to ask people that's inside a cave right now to come to this altar after we praise. If you're inside a cave, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and let God just speak to you. Let Him know. Let Him let you know that He's there with you. The second thing I'm going to ask is for people that's been in a cave to come and stand and just simply ask God not to let you waste nothing that you were supposed to get from the cave. I want you to ask God, God, I want to see your glory. I was in the cave. I want to see your glory. God, I want that anointing that Elijah had. I want that victory that Jesus had. I want what the cave was meant for me to have. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. Father, thank you for allowing me to preach to these folks. God, there's better preachers. There's better preachers in this room than I am. But God, I've done the best I can do. And I'm asking you to take what I've done here today and don't let it return void. Let it accomplish what you design and what you desire. Father, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to let people break through the paint. Somebody here this morning, God needs you to purge them and to to abort those things that they conceived from the last cave they were in. Do it, Father. But before we can do anything, your presence has to be here. And God, you inhabit the praises of your people. So I'm going to ask this congregation to stand. Would you please stand with me, folks? I'm going to ask them, God, to stand. And God, we're going to give you for the next minute, we're going to praise the King of all glory. We're going to praise the great I Am. We're going to praise the Holy Ghost Baptizer, the Savior of mankind, the Rose of Sharon, the Lion of Judah. We're going to praise Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. We're going to praise the fourth man in the fire. We're going to praise the Lion Tamer, the Water Walker, the Miracle Worker. We're going to praise Emmanuel. God is with us. Would you right now give the Lord a hand clap, a hand clap, Oh, praising, praising. Go ahead, ladies. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You said if you'll be lifted, you draw men to you. Just praise him, church. You said if you'll Give be him lifted, your praise. you draw
close. If you're in this place and you would say to the Father, God, I'm in a cave. I'm in a cave. And God, I'm not built for the cave. <laughs> Bats live in caves because so they ain't got no vision. Amen. I'm not built for the cave. God, I'm in a cave. And I'm coming down there. I'm coming down there, God, because I just need to know you've got a plan and you're here with me. If you're in this building and you're in a cave right now, would you come right now to this altar and find you a place to pray? Come right now. Don't wait on somebody else. They waiting on you. Come right now. Come right now. God, I'm in a cave. 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 I'm not talking about a tunnel. A tunnel's something you go through. I'm talking about a cave where there ain't no back door and you wondering if you're ever going to get out of here. There ain't but one way to get out. That's the same way you come in. He said, I am the door. I am the truth and the life. Amen. Anyone else? Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Come on. Come on. When you get here, just lift your hands up toward heaven. I need somebody that's been. Give me a Holy Ghost filled lady that's been through a cave. That's been through a cave. That'll come right here, right now. Give me some Holy Ghost filled. Oh, 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 oh. Give me some Holy Ghost filled people that'll just come right now and lay their hand on the shoulder of these men and these women and let them know. Let them know. Let them know. You've been there. You've been there. That shoulder, whoo, that shoulder, that hand. I need one more. I need one more. I need a lady. Come down here and when you lay your hand on her, it's a testimony that I've been there and I made it and so can you. Oh, shut
just a second. God's already speaking to people at this altar. But this is what I need. And I'm, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to hand the mic back to Pastor. But this is what God's, God's, God's just pouring in me to ask you. If you've been through a cave and you would say to the Father, God, I'm not wasting nothing that I've been through. I'm not wasting nothing that I've been through. God, if I was supposed to get anointing, I want anointing. If I was supposed to see your glory, I want your glory. If I was supposed to share victory with somebody, I want that victory. If you're in this building, two things I'm asking you. God, if you're here, you say, God, I need you to purge some things out of me. I need you to get some things out of me that I got in the cave. But God, I not only want you to get out of me what I ain't supposed to have, I want you to give me what I'm supposed to have. I want you to give me what you intended me to get when I went in that cave. If that's you, would you run to this altar as quick as you can? I'm not going to pray with you unless you want me to. It's between you and God. Get to this altar fast as you can. And when you get here, lift your hands up and say, God, I want it all. I don't want to waste nothing. I don't want to waste nothing. I don't want to waste nothing that I've been through. I don't want to waste nothing. Right where you're at, lift your hands up toward heaven. God, I don't want to waste nothing. I don't want to waste nothing. God, I want to be everything you desired and designed me to be when I went in that cave. God, I don't want to come out the same way I went in. I don't want to come out bitter. I don't want to come out fearful. I don't want to come out doubting. I want to come out. I want to come out in such a way that somebody else will see me and want to serve the God that I serve. Would you right now give him praise in this house? Give him praise. Wow. If you say you'll be lifted, you draw
Come on, give him some praise. He is worthy to receive our praise today.